Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. On this week's episode, we have... Lachlan, Lauren and Justin. This week we talk about things we can learn from Plague Inc. and the mysterious prions, proteins that can have a lot of way of spreading certain diseases. We also discuss ways to uncook or boil an egg and really turn back the clock on a process, which is quite fascinating. And now we launch into our Launchpad News segment. Okay, so I just downloaded a new game on my phone, which has been out on Steam for a while and has existed for a while, called Plague Inc. Um, basically create a plague that it will take over the world and you're supposed to um, basically destroy the world through this plague that you've um, created and influenced. And I just unlocked this new uh, category of prions, which got me and Locke talking about prions and what exactly they are. Now, first of all, Lauren, I'm a little bit worried about you as a geneticist playing a game that is about spreading a bioweapon to kill people. Because well, it's better that she plays a game about it than actually does it. So I guess there's that. Because, you know, if someone's going to wipe us out, it's probably going to be a geneticist working with a microbiologist. Correct. So I'm glad that you're living out your power fantasies rather than, you know, doing them. But, yeah, we discovered this, um, this, this um, would it be a type of disease spreader? Like, is, what do you call it? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's basically classified as a type of disease spreader when we covered it in um, the high school. So it's like you've got bacteria and viruses, mm-hmm. and then you've also got prions. And the crazy thing about prions is, like, they're zombie proteins. Well, hang on, that's a bit terrifying. You've just folded zombies into this whole thing. Yes, and I have folded zombies into these things, so that's how it works. Um, so, really got, like, bacteria or viruses, which are a microbial agent of carrying disease. But what prions are is that they actually come from your own body, in that you're, they're your own proteins that have gone into a glitched or a corrupted state. During their production, they have folded wrong. Okay. Now, normally when proteins are folded wrong, um, things called proteases and ubiquitinases just sort of tag them, like, this is wrong, like, kill it, explode it. It gets degraded and everything's fine. But these guys have a crazy way of hijacking, and they actually basically encourage all the other proteins. It's like a fashion trend. It's like, nah, man, don't work properly. Fold yourself in this weird alternative configuration and break yourself. So what you're telling me is that inside our cells, there are hipster proteins that are basically too cool for school and going to wear their clothes differently, fold themselves differently, and therefore ruin everything forever. Yes, they exactly. ruin they ruin everything good, just like hipsters do. A really common disease that you might know about prions, um, just to give it more of a context, is mad cow disease. So, how do you pronounce it again? Crossed off... Uh, mad cow word. disease. You can yeah, pronounce yeah, it right. Okay. I won't right. give it the real name, but... <laughs> um... And what's nuts about this is not only do these proteins sort of um, spread through your own body and mess you up, but if you is it biting or eating? Like, um, eating one of another common diseases um, used to be seen in like old native tribes. Um, it's called Kuru disease, and it's basically like a zombie disease. So um, the tribe used to have this thing when like a tribe member died, they would celebrate by eating the brains of this dead tribe member, which would pass on the, the traits and the powers. Yeah, yeah, um, the traits and the powers. And it would pass on these prions to the rest of the tribe. So then they would all die and then, you know, they'd eat the brains of all the dead members and continue passing it on. Hang on, so let's dial this back. So basically how it works is that you've got a misfolded protein that's making someone sick. Mm -hmm. They die. 
someone else eats these prions, which gets them into their body. And then it encourages, without any virus or bacterial spread, that protein then encourages that healthy person's host, that the host, the healthy host, um, and it makes them sick. And it just keeps spreading. So um, it's just protein on protein, absolute destruction, which is unprecedented. Like, you don't hear about this. And all caused by hipster proteins folding themselves the wrong way and then convincing the other cells to go along with them. And basically creating zombies. Well, that's one way to get a zombie. Um, potentially, uh, I didn't re- realise that hipsters were a zombie that we need to be fearful of, but hipster protein cells folding themselves incorrectly, passing along that trait through being um, through spreading effectively from host to host, is a really interesting challenge and a fantastic, fascinating area of prions to be fearful. So if you're playing Plaguing, work on a prion. So in, in, in life, there are many things that are one-way processes, and the laws of thermodynamics states that you can't win, you can't even break even, things got to flow one way. And that's kind of the way it works. You know, if you drop a cup and it smashes, the cup's broken. Even if you try and piece it back together again, it's not going to be the same cup. If you fry an egg or boil an egg, it's cooked. You can't uncook the egg. You wake up again... You're closer to the inexorable march to the grave. <laughs> Welcome to it. And that's why the developer of entropy and thermodynamics, Boltzmann, really struggled with this. A lot of a lot of um, depression came that may have also been influenced by his research into, you know, the unending march towards the demise of the universe. But that aside, which is a cheery and uplifting thing, we have actually found a way to turn back the clock, so to speak, on some areas of that, including eggs. Okay, yeah, so Justin, basically what we were just talking about, way too depressing, so let's go back one. Yes, we have found a way to unboil an egg. So if you've ever been lucky enough to watch a YSA Melbourne science show, you might have seen um, an amazing trick done to denature proteins using liquid nitrogen. This is also the same thing you do with cooking. So what do you mean by denature a protein? Because I am not a biologist by any stretch of the imagination. Okay, so a protein is like a complex chain of molecules um, linked together in like a three-dimensional structure. And so by denaturing, you're actually getting rid of all those complex bonds and just making it basically into a lump. So you get rid of its complex three-dimensional structure. Right, so it's basically like squishing something and making it into a, a pile of ooze as opposed to a building. Yeah, or like you have an origami crane and then you're just crunching that crane and it's just a ball of paper. Right. So that's what denaturing a protein is. Yes. But why do we do that? Um, we don't normally mean to. It's often something that just happens um, in the lab. Like, if you, if you try to grow something and you heat it too much, it'll denature. Or if it's something's too acidic, it'll denature. Like, proteins... Uh, biological material, so you have to handle them sensitively or else they're going to break. Plus, if you want to cook an egg, you need to denature its protein. That's, that's true. That's so, not very tasty. Also for deliciousness reasons. Can it be done for like health purposes as well? That's why we heat things up to denature certain proteins? Yeah, that's that's how we get rid of a lot of diseases, like cooking food. That's, that's, that is what it does. It's that's why you don't eat raw meat. <laughs> Unless you're on the paleo diet. Ah, indeed. <laughs> Don't do that. That's really bad for you. But that's an episode for another day. Um, but we've actually found a way to undenature. I'm going to use the word renature, though that hasn't actually been coined. 
all the royalties are going to go to me now. So we've cooked an egg, so we've taken all the proteins, so we've smushed them together. Yeah. What do we do next? How do we renature it? Do we stick it in a whole bunch of water? Do we, um... Yeah, because cooling it down doesn't solve the process. No, that's right. If you've heated up with denatures it. Cooling it down doesn't fix it back together. Um, what you need to do is you need to introduce a chemical like um, sodium borohydride, which has a lot of um, electrodynamics, so it causes different charges on different parts of the molecule, and that sort of um, straightens it out, and it sort of unboils the egg because the proteins are, uh, are straightened out. But um, this isn't very good, because if you have an egg and you've chucked a bunch of chemicals into it, it's not really going to be nice or usable. And in <laughs> more realistic terms, um, in a lab, you're not going to want to chuck a bunch of chemicals into your um, biological material. Right, yeah. So you don't want to eat an egg that's... You, though you may have unnatured it, if you wanted to really eat your raw egg, it's probably not going to taste the same, because you've added a whole bunch of other weird stuff to it, which would probably be worse than the cooked egg that you're trying to have. Yes, and it's also going to skew your results, right? Yeah, Correct. So they found a way to do this with less variability. Um, and it's a lot cheaper, and it's a lot quicker. Um, what is the new process that we found? So we chuck in a chemical called urea, which is found in urine. Um... <laughs> The urea restores lysozymes. Now, lysozymes are um, packets in the cell that are designed to, to basically chew down, chew up and break down um, proteins. So what's funny is we've actually basically had a knot of proteins, of, mm. of, of denatured proteins. Now we're going to cut through that knot to make it more simple again. So you, you cut them up um, so they're sort of small packets or chunks of protein, um, still quite, you know, um, solid and unusable, um, but not as big and agglutinated and clumpy as a giant, huge ball of denatured protein. Um, you then spin those little balls out, um, which actually, on a mechanical level, stretches them out just like it would stretch out elastic. Because what, what do you mean by spin them out? Okay, so you chuck them. You chuck all these little balls of protein in suspended in a liquid. You put it into a centrifuge. Um, you, you, you literally, the centrifuge is like a machine that spins things really, really, really fast. We're talking like 20,000 rotations per minute, stuff like that. Um, and just like pulling on two edges of a rope or two edges of an elastic, that exact same force, it pulls these elastic amino acids and back into long chains. So you've cut through the knot and then you've pulled the edges so hard that instead of the knot tightening, it actually loosens. And then we have an egg? Um, and then you've got proteins that are no longer denatured, so um, it looks more like a liquidy egg, and it's not a clumped up white egg, because the egg only goes white because it's been denatured. Can we eat it? Look. You've added urea to it, so <laughs> there's that. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't eat it, but <laughs> it's a lot more viable for research purposes. Containing so, sodium and sodium borohydride. So what that does is um, it changes the bonding patterns. So um, you can't then grab that protein and look at what it naturally does in the body. Because, because it's going to have a different behavior now. You've changed it. Yes, because proteins only work because of how they're shaped. So um, this process actually puts them back much closer to their original shape. Uh, and so we can extrapolate more things of the, um, the complex and unique functions of proteins that are hard to isolate. Can we use this for anything else, this, like, stretching out process? Oh, well, uh, this, um, being able to recrystallize um, denatured proteins is amazing in the film of proteonomics. So, for example, you've got an enzyme 
um, in the immune system, you don't really know how it works to fight disease. You don't know it, and you can only get it in tiny amounts after you've cooked the absolute heck out of everything else. So it's already broken up. So this protein has never before actually been able to retrieve, be able to be retrieved um, in its full condition. But you can basically dig through the scrap metal of the wreckage of the rest of the cell, pull out this broken enzyme protein, renature it, and then you can find out its original function through proteomics and crystallography. That's really, really cool. Yeah. Um, this is also, um, <coughs> you can do this very quick um, compared to the other method. Yeah, sort of the, um, the processes are, the, the application is limitless, especially in immunology. Um, you can also use this to produce new antibodies. Um, which, as we talked about previously, they're like molecules that are used to fight sickness and disease in the body. We can actually use these to isolate new antibodies and find new ways of fighting cancer and different diseases. And making them quickly and efficiently, which is the really important part of the production of these. So it just goes to show that we can actually, we can actually find ways to turn back the clocks of things we thought previously unfixable, and find new solutions to problems that we have. That's some great work being done out of the University of California, Irvine, and Flinders University in South Australia. Hi, I am Lauren Cracknell. Um, I'm one of the co-producers for the podcast, The Grange Point, that you are currently probably listening to. Um, I'm studying science at Monash Clayton. I am looking at majoring in genetics with a minor in psychology. I really love genetics and psychology because I feel like it really gets down to the basis of what people are and who people are. So genetics, you're looking at like the basis, like genes and stuff like that. Um, psychology being down to like stuff like how people work and why they think and things like that and it's just really interesting to understand those people around us. Um, I've been involved in the YSA, the Young Scientists of Australia, for about five years now um, and through that I've done a lot of science outreach stuff so I've been uh, a staff member um, twice during the science experience, which is a science program for students in year 9 and 10. I've been the leader of that program once, and I've been part of the leadership team three times now. Um, I've also done things like been part of the Monash Murder Mystery, which is something, which is a program that um, helps demonstrate science to dis kids from disadvantaged areas um, in a cool and fun, interesting way. So I've been a co-producer on The Grange Point, which is the science podcast of the YSA. Um, it's been going for almost two years now, um, and each episode's really fun and interesting and focusing on a different area of science or a different mini-topic of science, as well as looking at things in a fun, interesting way, such as pushing things to, like, would dinosaurs be able to exist in now, like, this day and age, or would Godzilla be real, or... Um, Will we meet aliens on the moon at some point and things like that, as well as actual real life 
um, advances in science, which is really cool and helps keep you up to date in an interesting and relatable way. My name is Tim Newport. I'm currently studying geoscience and going into my fifth year this year. I'm also studying it, 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 I'm also studying it as a double degree uh, with journalism um, as well as a minor in atmospheric science. I'm currently the editor at YSA Melbourne as well as uh, I'm interested in science communication um, and Uh, so I'm through YSA. I've done lots of different science communication roles, including workshops, uh, presentations, live shows, uh, demonstrations. I also currently work as a science entertainer um, for primary school children. So I'm currently in my fifth year of geoscience, and uh, hopefully, the following year, I'll be able to go into honours and. Fingers crossed, um, I'll get accepted into the Mosh. Mosh has currently runs a program where they send uh, students to Antarctica to do research there. So hopefully <laughs> I get to enter that and take a look at um, geological data there as well. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. This week we met some more of our presenters on our countdown to our two-year mark. We also found out about prions, dangerous pips to proteins, and we also learned about denaturing and renaturing an egg. Our ending theme was composed by Audionatics. Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia. <laughs>